Okay, we're in a series here called Get Fit. So if you want the same old, same old, then don't bother, right? Uh, but if you want to live new, then this series is for you. And we're going to be talking about spiritual fitness, relational fitness, emotional fitness, financial fitness, and more. And today, we're going to be focusing on the disciplines that are necessary for us to be healthy spiritually. Pastor Chad says this, This area, being spiritually fit, guides the rest and is foundational the way I see it. And this is the only way to start the series. So, if we're not spiritually fit, then that vision that Pastor Chad has given us, New Life 1024, uh, 10,000 people being prayed for, 24,000 people uh, experiencing new life conversations. That's not going to happen. So today what we want to talk to you about is how to get into the gym with Jesus. We're going to get in the gym with Jesus. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7 says this, Train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness or spiritual training, is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life, I mean, it's good for you here now, and also for the life to come. So it's good forever. Now, the word trained here in that verse is the word gymnazo in the original language. Gymnazo. Sound familiar? Yeah, because we get our word gymnastic and gymnasium from this particular Greek word. And the word means to exercise vigorously. Train yourself for godliness is a command for us to work out spiritually and get fit spiritually. So it's a command for us to, to get in the gym with Jesus. So if you want to live better in 2015, if you want to live new, then you're going to have to make a commitment to spiritual fitness. Now, I believe most of us have one thing in common with each other, and that is this. We all underperformed in 2014, right? I wasn't who I wanted to be in 2014, and I'm guessing you weren't all that you wanted to be in 2014. Um, none of us are in the kind of spiritual shape that we'd really like to be in. And as I look at my life, I'm going, you know, for me, as I look back at 2014, my joy level was way too low. And God has been dealing with me about that. Now, the good news is God doesn't love us because we perform well. He doesn't love us if we are always rejoicing. He doesn't love us because we're in shape spiritually. In fact, the Bible teaches us that God loves underperformers. Romans 5.8, God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, underperformers, out of shape spiritually, Christ died for us. He loves us. So he died in your place for your sins. All the sins of 2014 paid for on the cross by Christ. He sacrificed himself on the cross to save you, to forgive you because he loves you. Now, the cross proves that he loves you just the way you are, but... He loves you too much to let you just stay the way you are. So he wants you to morph. He wants you to change. He wants you to, to get fit. So I mentioned before, my joy level was way too low in 2014, and I've set some very specific goals in that area of my life this year. So where and how do you need to get spiritually fit? 
When you get spiritually fit, you're going to perform better. You're going to actually be more loving and more joyful and more peaceful. You're going to live new. You know, the goal is not the exercise. The goal is what the exercise will enable you to do. Uh, the, 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 the way the disciplines will enable you to live. You know, I have a good friend. His name is Brian Lebo who runs the Athletic Performance Training Center in North Royalton. And you know what? His goal is not to help people look better. It's called the Athletic Performance Training Center. His goal is to help athletes actually play better. So there are certain exercises that he does not encourage, uh, like this one, the biceps curl. Never encourages that particular exercise because this muscle here is about the size of an orange, and this movement is not a movement you really need in any particular athletic performance. So some exercises, he says, they don't really help you uh, jump higher or run faster. Uh, they just help you look better. So we're not interested in you just kind of appearing spiritual. You know, I grew up in a church. My dad was a pastor. And we had Sunday school and Sunday morning services and training union and Sunday night services. And then we had Wednesday night prayer, Thursday night visitation. And then people showed up on Saturday morning to work on the building. And there were some of those people that were there all the time. And they did all the right stuff. They dotted their I's. They crossed their T's. But they were mean as snakes. They appeared spiritual, but they didn't perform well. This is not about appearance. That's the Pharisees. This is about performance. See, spiritual disciplines aren't designed to make you look good to yourself or look good to anybody else. You're supposed to get fit so you can be more loving and more joyful and more peaceful. And if you get fit spiritually, you will change, you will morph, you will grow. You're going to be more joyful, more loving, more peaceful. Your family will find you more attractive. You'll be more winsome. You'll be more delightful to be around. You're going to be adding value to the people that you love at work and in, in the ministry. When, when you put your head on the pillow at night, you're going to have a clean conscience. You're going to have sweet sleep. You will glorify God in a greater way. And one day, Jesus will say to you, well done, good and faithful servant. But what about if you don't get spiritually fit? You will be the same irritable, short-tempered, cranky person that you are today. You will live a life with untapped potential. You will go to the grave with that book unwritten, that song unsung, and that business not started. The positive impact you could have had on your family and your friends, that encouragement that you could have given, will go unfulfilled. See... We'll either have a positive, a negative, or a neutral influence on the people around us this year. And being spiritually fit is going to help us have that positive influence rather than a negative or a neutral influence. I mean, some of us might be tempted to just settle for a neutral influence as long as I don't hurt anybody. But that's just lame, right? You know, so I asked my friend Brian if he could choose three exercises that would engage the largest muscle groups the most and benefit athletic performance the greatest, what would they be? Just pick three exercises. What would they be? And he said this, bench press, squats, and chin-ups. Not the biceps curl. I mean, those exercises, if you just really focus on those, bench press, squats, and 
and, and chin-ups, those can be daunting and difficult, but the results are highly rewarding. So today I'm going to share with you three broad spiritual objectives. These are three spiritual exercises that will engage your largest spiritual muscles so that you can perform better in 2015. And we're going to leave it up to you to set the specific goals within the objectives but these disciplines can be daunting, they can be difficult, but the results are highly rewarding. So open your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. And here in Acts chapter 2, we're going to come face to face with a group of people that um, may have been the most spiritually fit people in the world has ever known. And why do I say that? Because these are the people who turn the world upside down. There was a core group of followers who spent three years with Jesus Christ before he died and rose again, he coached them. He was their mentor. And from a spiritual standpoint, Jesus was the spiritual trainer for this inner circle of three, Peter, James, and John, and then the 12. The 12 didn't influence 72. The 72 influenced 120. The 120 influenced 500 people who literally transformed the world. So the question is, what were their habits? What were their practices? What were the kinds of things these spiritually fit people did? Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, we'll look at. The first thing I want you to see is this. Read your Bible and pray. Read your Bible and pray. That's the first exercise. Now, I know some of you are thinking, hey, that's cheating. I mean, that's two exercises. Well, okay, but think about it this way. What we're really after here is a conversation with God. And in a conversation, there is listening and there is talking. So I'm treating this, this, uh, this discipline as one exercise. In other words, just have a conversation with God. Read your Bible and pray. Look at verse 42, Acts 2.42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Now, that word devoted, it means to steadfastly attend to, to persevere in, to give yourself continually to. Uh, it comes from a word that talks about making a promise or making a pledge. It's a commitment. The idea is you're either in or you're out. And there's no such thing as in between. Now, what were these early spiritually fit followers of Jesus devoted to? Well, first in the verse is this, the apostles' teaching. Now, what were the apostles teaching? They were, they were teaching people about the work and the words of Jesus. Uh, they were taking the Old Testament truths in light of the life and the death and the resurrection and the return of Christ, and they were applying that to people's lives. So when these spiritually fit believers were devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, they were devoting themselves to taking in the Bible. I mean, the Bible is our bread and honey. The Bible is our meat and our milk. I mean, it's the right food for being spiritually fit. If you want to eat clean, spiritually speaking, you got to spend time in the book. And you got to cut out some of that other garbage that we've been taking in. But you just can't let it go in one ear and out the other. We have to take it in. We have to digest it. But how? Well, I do want to encourage you to think about journaling. In your program, if you'll pull it out, there is something called a sample journal entry. Sample of journal entry. And on one side, it's dated 1-1-15, and it's my journal entry from New Year's Day. So would you 
pull that out and take a look at it. It talks about the importance of delighting in the Bible, meditating on the Bible. So let me just read it to you. Psalm 1.1, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and in all he does he prospers. So that's the portion of Scripture I just picked out for that day. Now, the inspect part is like meditate on it a little bit. Think about it. And, and here's, here's just what I wrote that day. Every day, all day, I will be faced with a choice. I can choose to walk in the counsel of the wicked. That's some of the stupid TV that we watch, right? You're walking in the counsel of the wicked. A lot of times with some of the stuff that we're allowing to come into our brains when we're watching TV. Or to delight in the law of the Lord, the Word of God. My blessing depends on my choice. If I choose poorly, I will be fruitless, I will wilt in dry times, and I won't prosper. And that's right where some of us are this year after the way we live, 2014. Fruitless, wilting when times get tough, and not prospering spiritually. If I choose wisely, I will bear fruit. I will not wilt. I will be prosperous. That comes right out of the passage, you see. I'm just trying to reflect what the passage says in my own words. So what's the value here? How am I going to value this? I must find ways to delight in God's Word and to meditate on it day and night. So I've got to figure out how am I going to do that? How am I going to do that? How am I not going to be distracted? How am I going to stay focused on God's Word? I mean, am I going to write three by five cards? What am I, what am I going to do? Put scriptures around? What am I going to do? So then the express part is like basically a prayer that you're writing back to God based on what He has said to you. I mean, it's, it's kind of like you can personalize it. Hey, Rick, God says... Uh, if you want to be fruitful, and if you don't want to wilt under pressure, and if you want to be prosperous, you got to meditate and delight on my word. So that's what God says to me. Now, when I say back to him, Lord God, I praise you for giving us your word and that your desire is to bless and prosper your people. Too often I have ignored your word. This is a confession. And I walked in the counsel of the wicked. I repent. Help my heart delight more and more in your word Help my mind to meditate on your truth. Bear fruit through me as I yield to you. Amen. I mean, that just took just a few minutes to do. You know, when I write my prayer, I usually think P-R-A-Y. <laughs> Praise, repent, ask, and yield. And, and, and what if you were able to do something like this um, a lot in 2015? Well, today we're going to give you an opportunity to make your own journal entry. Flip the sheet over and you'll see room for you to write. So this comes from the Live New Journal. It uses L-I-V-E as a tool to help us meditate on the Bible. The L part is learn. You write down a verse that stands out to you. Uh, Chad and I talked about this. Uh, this is the verse that we kind of picked out for you today because we think it will encourage you to live new. It's from Ephesians chapter 4. The inspect part is you write down what you think God is saying to you from that verse. And then the value is you write down how you're going to apply it to your daily life. The express is you're going to write a prayer based on the verse to ask God to help you to apply its truth. Now, a lot of times people say, well, I don't know what to write about the Bible. And a lot of times it's just important to ask good questions, Okay. So we came up with an acrostic here. Inspect. <laughs> is there an idol to smash? Is there a need to meet? Is there a sin to avoid? I mean, as you read the passage, you're asking these questions. Is there a promise to claim, an example to follow, a command to obey, a task to perform? So we're going to play a little background music here. And um, 
give you three minutes to write something in the inspect section, 30 seconds to write down a value, and a minute and a half to express a prayer to God. And then we're going to talk about it a little bit. So you ready? You ready? Set? Go. You got about one more minute on this inspect part, and we're going to move to the next section. Okay, to now take about 30 seconds, and how are you going to apply this to your life? How are you going to put off the old self and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self and be more holy? How are you going to do that? 30 seconds. The value. Okay, now you got about a minute and a half to formulate a prayer. Praise God, based on this passage, that he's a God who loves to renew. 
Repent of something. Ask God something. And then yield your life to God. Minute and a half. Question, who wants to share what you wrote under the inspect section? Anybody? Come on now. All right. Starting today, I will spend time understanding my old self so that I can work hard at identifying those things I can change to be the new me I so want to be. Okay, how about that? Can you give her some applause for that? That's good. Thank you. All right, who's going to share the uh, value part? Who'll share that? What'd you write for how you're going to value this? Anybody? We're not going until somebody shares. So, oh, here we go. Okay, I'm going to set the alarm and get up with enough time to pray on your word before the day begins. Okay, how about that? And then what about the prayer? Somebody want to read their prayer? We got a shy bunch here. All right. Way back here. You could have met me halfway, you know. <laughs> Sorry. Lord, you are my all in all, and I choose to put you first in my life. I will die to self every day and pick up my cross and follow you to be made more like you. I love you more than anything or anyone. I want to thank you for making my apartment clean and clear so I can have people visit anytime I wish. Okay, thank you. That's good stuff. That's good stuff. Now, let me just encourage you. When you read your Bible and pray, if you're like me, you'll tend to beat yourself up because you'll see things in there and you'll go, oh, I didn't measure up that way. I didn't do that correctly. I'm a, I'm a big mess. And then you'll start making lists. So you'll turn your Bible time into a do more, try harder, beat yourself down time. And I just want to encourage you, this is a love letter from God to you. God is a God of grace and a God of compassion, and a God who loves you so much he sent his son to die on the cross to pay for your sins so that you could be made new. So approach your Bible that way. Don't use it as a tool to beat yourself down and to create a harder life for yourself to live. So that's the first spiritual exercise. Read your Bible and pray. I'm going to go through the last two quickly. Love your brothers and sisters. Some of us have been living spiritually isolated lives and we're spiritually flabby because of that. And that wasn't true of these 
fit believers in the early church. It just really helps you to get into the gym when you know that there's some friends that will be there with you. Notice in verse 42, they devoted themselves not only to the apostles' teaching, but to the fellowship. And then skip down to verse 44. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. 45. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. 46. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. You understand what's happening? These early spiritually fit people are hanging out with each other. And if you hang out with other spiritually fit people, you're going to be more spiritually fit yourself. But if you're isolated, it's easy to slip out of shape. We need each other. We need each other. None of us can make it alone. Um, I have a friend who had a very difficult year in 2014. And there was a time in his life during the course of the year that he found himself deeply discouraged. His ministry shut down. His finances were difficult. He experienced the death of a dream. And he wondered if his life mattered. And then a text message came to him from a friend. And as he looked back at last year, he realized that that little text message meant a, made a big difference in his life. So he thanked the sender. Here's what he wrote. I want to thank you for staying in touch with us and loving us as a family and for being a constant encouragement to our family. At one of my lowest moments in 2014, you sent me a text message out of the blue. You said many wonderful things, but at the end, you urged me not to give up on myself or my calling because you wrote to me, the world needs you. That not only made me feel like a superhero, LOL, for a brief moment, but it gave me the spark to begin dreaming again. I mean, the power of words. And I wonder, who might need that kind of encouragement from me? And am I deep enough in relationships with people so that they could encourage me when I get discouraged? So who might need a text or a note or a card or a call or a conversation over a cup of coffee like this from you? I mean, what are you waiting for? This is why we need to be in relationship with our brothers and sisters. This is why we talk about life groups around here so much. And beginning next week, you're going to have an opportunity to get connected in a life group. So stay tuned for Group Connect starting next weekend. And we sometimes hear from people here, you know what, my life group that I'm currently in is not really as life-giving as I would like for it to be. And you know what, it's okay to say that. And it's one reason that we have kind of a trimester system here. So that we have every year three on-ramps and three off-ramps throughout the year. We believe you can try before you buy when it comes to life groups. So graciously just tell maybe your current leader and members, I appreciate your love, I appreciate your care, I appreciate the training I've received, but maybe it's time for me to try a different group on for size. And we're hoping that hundreds of you who are not connected in life groups would get connected in 2015 because it's necessary to be spiritually fit. You're working a major spiritual muscle group if you'll just engage and love your brothers and sisters. So, read your Bible and pray. Love your brothers and sisters. Last one, have new life conversations. Have new life conversations with people that don't know Christ. Notice in verse 47, Acts 2.47, they praised God. They had favor with all the people, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Saved. It's amazing to me that people often seem to resist the idea of being saved. 
If you ask a person, are you saved, they might be offended. Saved from what? And in many cases, it's, it's a pride issue. To admit that you need to be saved means that you must also admit that you're in a kind of spiritual danger. And most people simply don't want to admit they don't have their spiritual act together. Surely you don't think God would send me to hell, do you? Because I'm a good person. But saved is a good word. It's a good thing to be saved. We call Jesus the Savior because he came into this world to save people like you and me from judgment, from hell, from ourselves. He's our Savior because we needed saving. To be saved means you're kept safe and sound. You're rescued from danger. You're rescued from destruction. You're rescued from an eternity away from God forever. So we need to be saved from our sin. We need to be saved from our lostness. We need to be saved from hell. We need God to rescue us. And in Acts chapter 16, verse 30, one of the most profound questions ever was asked, what must I do to be saved? And the answer was, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. So the very first question everybody in this room has to ask is this, am I saved? Am I really saved? Do I know that I know that I know that I'm saved? Have I been rescued? And you got to ask God for grace to settle that issue. But once that's settled, the next question ought to be, are my friends and my family members saved? Are the people that I know, the people that I love, rescued because there's a real heaven and a real hell and real people just like you and me will go to one or the other and pastor chad has cast a compelling vision for us in 2015 it's new life 1024 he's encouraged us to be praying for the top 10 persons in our lives who need new life in christ and in fact in your program there is a card for you to use to make your list and he's asked us to ask God to help us to have an average of two new life conversations a month. That's 10,000 people being prayed for and 24,000 new life conversations. New life 1024. And I'm, I'm grateful that some of us have already started here. Let me just read you a quick story that I just got from um, a lady in our church. This past week, we were visiting relatives about 10 hours from home when my husband took a bad fall and was struggling with pain. He was temporarily unable to help with things like lifting or driving. The morning we started home, our car hit a glass bottle on the road and our, one of our tires was shredded. We were on the side of the road when a policeman pulled up. He called a flatbed tow truck for us. When the tow truck arrived, the policeman arranged to use um, with his own towing account so that the towing cost us nothing. I rode in the cab with the driver and we proceeded to have a conversation about how God orchestrates the things that happen to us. This particular tow shop doesn't normally do repairs, but since it was New Year's Day, they weren't all that busy, and the owner instructed the driver to bring our car to their shop for repairs. While we were waiting at the garage, we had a chance to talk with Robert, the owner. We saw a movie poster on the wall entitled Rare Bones with a guy that looks like him, so we asked about it. Well, a film was made about his personal cancer story. He has a rare bone cancer. Most people with this type of cancer die within five years. He is one of only two people in the world that has survived the past five years. He's now an 11-year cancer survivor. As I sat there listening, God was whispering to me that I needed to pray with him. After silently praying for the Holy Spirit to guide me and give me boldness, I waited for an opportunity. At one break in the conversation, I thanked Robert for helping us and offered to pray for him as the best thing I can offer to you to thank you for your help. He said he'd be happy to have me pray. He told me he wasn't sure where, 
we go when we die. I shared my thoughts with him about Jesus. And then I prayed with him right there. He kept working while I prayed, shuffling papers. I could tell it affected him. I told him that I thought someone must have been praying for him for a long time because I knew it wasn't an accident that God brought us to his shop. When it came time to leave, Robert wouldn't let us pay him, but asked us to cover lunch for his crew. I've been praying for Robert since our encounter. When I left, I got his card, and I will follow up with him with a thank you letter and some additional literature on the gospel story. So even though our week didn't go as we planned, I know that God had us there for a reason. To God alone be the glory. That's awesome. That, that's, guess what? 24,000 new life conversations. Now we just need 23,999 more. You can be a part of this. You're just looking for opportunities all the time. I mean, you don't have to go to seminary to have a new life conversation. And we're going to have some training on January 31st to help you understand how to have these conversations better. You know, the great author C.S. Lewis wrote this, The load or the weight or the burden of my neighbor's glory should be laid on my back. In other words, he's telling us we've got to have a burden for souls, that we must care deeply that the people that we know go to heaven we ought to want to go to heaven and take as many people with us as possible. And he goes on to describe the glory for the person who goes to heaven and the horror for the person that goes to hell. He says this, It's a serious thing to remember that the dullest and most uninteresting person you can talk to may one day be a creature which, if you saw it now, you would be strongly tempted to worship. That's, that's when we're in heaven. Where we've got these glorified bodies or that person you meet could become a horror and a corruption such as you now meet, if at all, only in a nightmare. And he's describing hell. So everybody we know will end up in one place, the place of glory or the place of corruption. And God has given us the opportunity to tell everybody about somebody that can save anybody. Lewis continues, all day long, we are in some degree helping each other to one or other of these destinations. And it is in the light of these overwhelming possibilities that we should conduct all our dealings with one another. Are you really committed to have new life conversations? If you want to be spiritually fit, read your Bible and pray. Love your brothers and sisters. Have new life conversations and just get into the gym with Jesus. I don't know how you're going to respond to this today, but when you came, you got this program and it's got several places for you to respond. And there may be somebody here who's saying, you know what? I don't know what my future holds. I don't know for sure what happens when we die. But I've heard today that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. And if I put my faith and trust in him, and I'll follow him, that he'll take me to heaven. And I can be forgiven, and I can have a reason to live. And if that's you here today, and you've never been saved, then today's your day. And there's a place you can check. I understand I need to get spiritual life before I get spiritually fit. Lord Jesus, Lord Heavenly Father, I know that Christ has come to give me new life through his death on the cross as payment for my sins. And I believe he rose from the grave, so today I turn from my sins and I trust in Jesus alone for my forgiveness. From this day forward, I want to follow Christ, the Savior and the Lord of my life. 
And there are other places, other things that you can do to respond to what God is saying to you today. Let's pray. Oh God, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would help us all focus on spiritual fitness this year because it is foundational for all the other kinds of fitness that we need. Help us, Lord, to figure out ways to get into your word and pray. Help us, Lord, to love our brothers and sisters. And then help us, Lord, to have those new life conversations. Those conversations will stretch us and grow us in unimaginable ways. Make it so, Lord Jesus. Amen.